to turn in your Bibles, few Bibles, or your own Bibles, better yet, to uh, Philippians chapter 2. Philippians 2, that's on page 980 of the smaller pew Bibles. But actually, I'll begin reading at Philippians 1.27. Truly is one section here, but uh, we'll be focusing on Philippians 2, 1 through 4. This is the portion where the Apostle Paul moves from uh, these gospel doctrines to uh, gospel duties. Uh, for us as believers. Hear God's word, Philippians 1, verse 27. Only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or am absent, I may hear of you that you are standing firm in one spirit, with one mind, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel, and not frightened in anything by your opponents. This is a clear sign to them of their destruction, but of your salvation, and that from God. For it has been granted to you that for the sake of Christ, you should not only believe in him, but also suffer for his sake, engaged in the same conflict that you saw I had, and now hear that I still have. So, if there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but... In humility, count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Amen to this reading of God's holy and divinely inspired word, inerrant, infallible, our only rule of faith and practice. The grass withers and the flower fades but the word of our God will stand forever. Let's pray. Our Lord and our God, we thank you that your, your word is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword. We thank you as well that your word is a lamp unto our feet, a light unto our path, to lead us to Christ, to guide us in, in our walk of faith as individual believers, but as your church, Lord. Pray that your Holy Spirit would be at work in our hearts and minds so that we would be hearers and doers of your word. All for your glory and praise. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. One of the glorious hymns that we sing at Christmas love to sing it other times of the year, too, is that hymn, Joy to the World, a hymn written by Isaac Watts back in 1719. It's based on Psalm 98. Isaac Watts set a number of the psalms to um, modern tunes and, and, and included uh, that, um, that 
reminder that we have been redeemed in Christ. You know, but listen to the this second verse of this beautiful hymn that calls us all to rejoice with a complete joy in Christ. Joy to the earth, the Savior reigns. Let men their songs employ while fields and floods, rocks, hills, and plains repeat the sounding joy, repeat the sounding joy, repeat, repeat the sounding joy. It's precious, that emphasis on joy in Christ. You know, what gives us as believers today a cause for real and repeated joy in Christ? And don't we need joy into these days? Not passing joy, but permanent joy in Christ. You know, turn with me if you're not there Already to these opening verses of Philippians 2, page 980, you know, it's a a rich section of scripture. You know, it's jam-packed with joyful gospel words that we find in these four rich and beautiful verses. You know, just to give you, again, a sampling, words like encouragement in Christ, in the spirit, affection, sympathy, complete my joy, one mind, same love, full accord in humility. You know, here in this portion of scripture in Philippians, the Apostle Paul gives us gospel guidance so that we all might know joy, unity, and humility in Christ. For our triune God encourages and equips us as believers to live in humble humility. Well, how does our triune God encourage and equip us to live in humble humility? You know, there in verse 1, it's by his grace. Verse 2, his guidance. And then verses 3 and 4, his guards. We begin with his grace for our humble humility in Christ. We read Philippians 1, verse 28, but if you go back there, I'll read it again, and not frightened in anything by your opponents. Remember this scriptural warning about gospel opponents. Uh, These opponents seem to be spiritual adversaries outside of the church. Their main strategy is to defeat and discourage the church. You know, they they use fear tactics, you know, to cause those feelings of depression, discouragement, you know, and certainly there there seems to be a uh, signs of a division, spiritual division in this church. You know, and so in Philippians chapter 2, verse 1, God graciously gives us four scriptural strategies for unity. You know, it starts off English standard, so if, but it can also be understood as since. And you'll, you'll see that, well, you won't see that word, but it's there in, in each of these phrases. Since there is 
encouragement in Christ is the first one. You know, encouragement, comfort in our gracious union with the risen Christ. You'll see that little phrase, in Christ, used at least ten times here in Philippians. It's important, you know, for us to know that as followers of Christ, believers of Christ, we are in Christ, and Christ is in us. To give you a sampling, Philippians 1.1, Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all the saints in Christ Jesus, who are at Philippi with the overseers and deacons. And to flip to the end, uh, Philippians 4, uh, verse 19, and then verse 21. Uh, Philippians 4, 19, And my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. And then again, verse 21, Greet every saint in Christ Jesus. You know, we have encouragement, comfort, you know, as Christ is in us and we are living in union with Christ. So the first strategy, encouragement in Christ. Secondly, any comfort, since there is comfort from love. Parallels there between encouragement and comfort. More the idea of consolation here, soulless in that word comfort, you know, but the emphasis in, in the second strategy is on that word love, agape love, you know, the, the love that Christ showed for us by his death for our sins on the cross, God's gracious love for us in Christ. You know, we, we all learn John 3.16, as children, and a good verse always to keep um, in in our uh, scriptural storehouse, but a parallel verse, and uh, in the providence of God, I'm sure it's no mistake, coincidence, here 1 John chapter 3, verse 16, by this we know love that he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. How do we know love? Christ laid down in humility and love, laid down his life for us. And we ought to, in love, lay down our lives in, in love for our brothers and sisters in Christ. You know, we live together in his love. John chapter 13 Verse 34 and 35, this is Jesus speaking to his disciples just before Jesus foretells Peter's denial. 1 John 13, 34, a new commandment I give to you that you love one another just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. You know, there there is comfort from his love. And and in addition, the blessed benefit of it, too, it's a witness uh, to a, a watching world around us. You know, third strategy, you know, still in verse one, any participation 
or koinonia is the Greek word. And a participation, communion, fellowship in, in the spirit. You know, and here it's referring to the Holy Spirit. You know, fellowship. You know, we can know fellowship one with another, you know, on, on the horizontal plane. But then as well, you know, vertically, we can know fellowship, you know, with our good and gracious God who loves us in Christ. You know, the, the fourth strategy here for, for humble unity, any affection, literally bowels or compassion, any affection and sympathy, God's merciful love for us. You know, as sinners, we rightly deserve God's just condemnation. You know, we deserve hell. You know, but but God in his grace and mercy sets his love upon us in Christ, calls us to saving faith in Christ, calls us, adopts us into his family. You know, God shows his affection, you know, his, his sympathy. You know, not sympathy here is not, you know, woe is me, or it, it's God's mercy to us. You know, God the Father graciously sent Jesus, the Son of God, to redeem us from our sins. You know, there we see God's affection and sympathy. Titus chapter 2 Verses 13 and 14, Titus 2, verse 13 and 14, puts it this way. Waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for himself a people for his own possession who are zealous for good works who gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness. You know, Jesus, God's compassion to us in Christ. You know, but we see that compassion of Christ as well in the Gospels. You know, Jesus um, preaching to the crowds, he he fed the 4,000, he fed a crowd of 5,000, also fed a a crowd of 4,000, two separate miracles, You know why? Because Jesus had compassion for the crowds. He had affection and and sympathy. And and we are to have that affection and sympathy one for another in Christ. In his commentary on Philippians, Dr. James Boyce wrote this. Quote, the encouragement in Christ is the support Jesus gave to his followers to live together in love. And Dr. Boyce goes on to tell that it's a visible unity, a unity that the world can see and that the Lord uses to draw unbelievers to faith in Christ. And then I quote quote Dr. Boyce again. This unity must be expressed in deeds, gestures and speech, in short, in the way we think about, talk to, and act with other Christians. 
You know, when we are in Christ and, and Christ is in us, you know, we'll know that encouragement, that, that comfort, that participation and fellowship of the Holy Spirit, the affection and sympathy of God our Father who loves us in Christ. And, and you can see, if you take a closer look there at verse 1, you know, that, that every person of the Trinity is involved in, in this humble unity. You know, God... The Father's love for us in Christ, Christ who laid down his life in love for us, the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. His grace, we, we don't see that word grace here, you know, but, but it's most definitely implied, his grace for us in Christ. You know, but there in verse 2 now we see his guidance for humble hum- unity. You know, there, there was a real need for, for unity, you know, for this church at, at, at Philippi. But, you know, this is not the exception. You know, every church then, you know, that the Apostle Paul was used of the Lord to plant, but every church now, every church that names and, and claims the, the name of Christ, who believes the Bible is the word of God, you know, that, that we are indeed sinners in need of God's saving grace in Christ. You know, there, there's always that attack, attacks, plural, of Satan. And, and so here the Apostle Paul delivers a, a compassionate command to all the Christians in, in, the, in the church there at Philippi. You know, and actually verse 2, that, that opening phrase there, complete my joy, you all, you as a church, complete my joy. You know, God has already given Paul reason for joy. Remember that word joy saturates this letter to the church at Philippi, but we read about that joy right at the very beginning, Philippians chapter 1, verse 3, Philippians 1, 3, I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine for you all, making my prayer with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. You know, and so Paul is praying here, complete my joy. You know, fill my, my words, fill my joy reservoir to overflowing. You know, I, I don't want it to be running on fumes here with joy. I, I don't want just a little bit of joy. You know, I, complete my joy. You know, we, we get a hint of that fullness there in Philippians chapter 1, verse 11. Philippians 1, verse 11 Filled, same word, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. You know, God gives us guidance for holy humility, humble humility. How can we not only complete the Apostle Paul's joy, but glorify Christ? You know, it, it's spelled out for us here in verse 2. You know, first, by being of the same mind. You all keep on being of the same mind. All of you should be thinking God's 
thoughts after him. You know, how can Christians be of one mind? In 1 Corinthians 2, verse 16, you can write it down as a cross-reference. You know, Scripture promises us, comforts us with that truth that we have the mind of Christ. You know, how do we have the mind of Christ? You know, as we read his word. You know, that, that's the important uh, of daily reading of the Bible. You know, we have the mind of Christ. You know, we, we are thinking God's thoughts. We can know God's ways. You know, we can see our, our sinfulness, our need for confession of sin, our need for Christ's forgiveness, our need to live in, in humble unity with our brothers and sisters in Christ. We are called to read and pray God's word together. Now, our confession of sin was from Nehemiah 9. If you have time today or this week, look at Nehemiah 8. God's people stood for the reading of God's word. Take a close look how long they stood. Early morning till noon. That's a long time to stand. A lot of reading of God's word. You know, and as they read God's word, then it led to confession of sin. Sermon for another time on Nehemiah, being of the same mind. You know, God's guidance for holy humility. Secondly, having the same love. You know, again, it's that that word agape there for love. Having the the love of Christ, one for another. You know, a reciprocal love for one another. Christ equips us and enables us to love one another in the church. You know, to go to a little bit of meddling now, you know, in this church, you know, we should not ever look at anyone and say, I don't like that person. I can't stand that person. They drive me crazy. We we are to love one another. And we don't have that strength. It's Christ's love for us that that empowers us, strengthens us, enables us to love one another. It's a gospel call to sacrificially And steadfastly love our brothers and sisters in Christ with the love of Christ. Matthew Henry put it this way in in his wonderful, simple fashion. It's the joy of ministers to see people, or we could say believers. It's the joy of ministers to see people like-minded and living in love. It's the joy of ministers to see people like-minded and living in love. You know, that, that's been a joy, you know, pastoral joy, joy for Lynn and, and I here at, at Hope Presbyterian Church, and, and pray that it continues. But it takes prayer. It, it takes reading of God's word. Finally, You know, God's guidance for humble humility, you know, still verse 2. 
being in full accord. You know, not, not sort of getting along, not just not ruffling feathers, but being in full accord. United in God's spirit, united with one holy and humble purpose, standing firm on the word of God, standing together on the truth of the gospel, standing together in our worship, in our walk of faith, and in our Christian witness. You know, here is God's guidance for humble humility. You know, last week, um, Lynn and I had a Opportunity to get away for a few days, stayed at a uh, raised cottage on a bayou near Bay St. Louis. Uh, We've stayed there before, you know, restful. Um, Especially nice because uh, this cottage, you know, has a wide and long screened porch, you know, on the front overlooking the bayou. It's a great place to to read, to pray, and just to watch God's creation. You know, each morning, though, the the woman who owns the place has a bird feeder out front, and she's got a, a, a can full of bird feed, and she asks uh, the guests to fill the bird feeder. So we do each morning, and uh, it, it's just wonderful to see. Um, we gazed in wonder and joy at all the birds, you know, know enough a little enough about birds to be dangerous. Uh, we saw blue jays, cardinals, chickadees, red-winged blackbirds, others we couldn't identify. I didn't have my Audubon bird book with me, but um, you know. But thinking of the feeder there, you know, the feeder was designed only for small birds. You know, but but all these birds swooped in on, on the bird feeder. Generally, didn't fight one another or scare one another away. They 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 gathered together. You know, all, all the birds of different feathers. Why did they gather together to to feed? Even a few squirrels uh, picked up the uh, the. Uh, Sunflower seeds on the ground. You know, I couldn't tell you if the birds shared the same mind or the same love and lived together in full accord. You know, but there, even in God's creation, you know, we we witness, you know, God's creature living together in a temporal unity. Yes, I know there is birds of prey, you know, hawks, owls, eagles, you name it. You know, but may we all pray for, for God's guidance, you know, for, for this Christ church, you know, Hope Presbyterian Church, you know, so that we may live and labor together in true and humble unity. You know, what does that look like, you know, according to the scripture? There's a joyful unity in Christ. We have the mind of Christ, the love of Christ. We can live in full accord. And I believe the Lord has only blessed his church with that humble unity. You, you won't find it on any sports team, any social club, any social media group that you're a part of. You know, it's only in the church. 
And as we were reminded this morning, Sunday school, the the church as it gathers together as God's people on the Lord's day uh, to give him all glory and honor and praise for his redeeming love for us in Christ. God's grace, you know, first God's grace for humble humility, God's guidance, verse 2, for humble unity, and finally in verses 3 and 4, you know, his, his guards for humble unity. In Philippians 2, verse 3 and 4, it seems that the Apostle Paul speaks words of caution to the local church. He, he realizes, you know, Satan's relentless attack to bring division and discord in, in the church so that the world will look down, scorn the church, and mock believers, you know, and, and so here is God's gospel caution for us. He, he, and he starts in a striking area for us, you know, he seeks to guard them against sinful pride. You know, that, that sin of pride, you know, we, we see it everywhere. You give an illustration here at the beginning you know, it's a season of sports, you know, thinking especially of basketball, hockey, if you ever watch it, soccer. You know, there, there's a statistic they keep that's called an assist. You know, they keep statistics for those who score the goals, you know, but there's also a statistic called an assist. What's an assist? You know, it's when a player on the team gives a great pass to someone, you know, and that person scores the goal. And so rather than saying, well, that person deserves all the credit, you know, they they also give credit, acknowledgement, you know, for those who give the assist. Scripture cautions us against sinful pride. You know, verse 3, Philippians 2, do nothing, pretty inclusive term, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit. I like the King James, vainglory is the word. You know, we've already seen that hint of selfishness. If you go back to Philippians 1.17, Philippians 1.17, the former proclaimed Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, but thinking to afflict me in my imprisonment. You know, and so now scripture directly confronts that, that temptation. You know, the problem that's facing this church, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit. You know, that's a me-first spirit. You know, 3 John 9, only one chapter in that book. You know, you might be familiar with the name Diotrephes. What do we know about Diotrephes? Diotrephes, who loves to be first. You know, that, that's, that's a sin that tempts us all. You know, that, that me-first Attitude, selfish ambition. I'm looking to advance my own agenda. 
you know, to ride roughshod over everyone else. And, and that can be a sin, too, of pastors as well. You acknowledge your own sin. You know, you seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. There's another great sermon for another time, but... Uh, Let me read just one, a few verses out of Daniel chapter 4, verse 28. This is Nebuchadnezzar, who is king of Babylon, and Babylon was the power in the world, and Nebuchadnezzar was the king. Daniel 4, verse 28, all this came upon King Nebuchadnezzar. At the end of 12 months, he was walking on the roof of the royal palace of Babylon, And the king answered and said, Is not this great Babylon which I have built by my mighty power as a royal residence and for the glory of my majesty? While the words were still in the king's mouth, there fell a voice from heaven, O king Nebuchadnezzar, to you it is spoken. The kingdom has departed from you. And you shall be driven from among men, and your dwelling shall be with the beasts of the field, and you shall be made to eat grass like an ox, and seven periods of time shall pass over you until you know that the Most High rules the kingdom of men and gives it to whom he will. You know, there's the example. And and we, we tend to think, oh, that's Old Testament, King Nebuchadnezzar, you know, You know, you don't have to raise your hand, and I'm not going to raise mine, but, you know, you've done something great, something nice, you know, and you're waiting for your wife or your spouse or your teacher or your neighbor to say, oh, what a great job you've done. You know, and and you sort of get big-chested, big-headed. You know, and here, you know, it can happen in a church. You know, I started this ministry, or I was praying for you, or, you know, I'm teaching here, or leading this, or I'm taking care of this in the church, you know, and, you know, here God's word reminds us, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit. Second, you know, second guard, you know, how can we keep from doing things from selfish, from the motive of selfish ambition or conceit? But in humility, consider others better, more significant than yourselves. Lowliness of spirit. You know, Christ-like spirit. You know, Matthew eleven twenty nine. Matthew eleven twenty nine. Words of Jesus to us. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. You know, Jesus Christ, Son of God, Savior of sinners, you know, I I am gentle. And lowly in heart. You know, in humility, can count others more significant than yourselves. 
And finally, let each of you look not only to his or to her own interest, but also to the interest of others. Put it in my paraphrase, stop thinking about yourself first. You know, and here I'm preaching to myself. Your self-satisfaction, your self-indulgence, and love think first of your beloved brothers and sisters in Christ. Assist them. Pray for them. Encourage them. Love them. Matthew Henry again. A quote worth remembering. Short, but uh, it's got a sharp edge. A selfish spirit is destructive of Christian love. A selfish spirit is destructive of Christian love. It's also destructive of our unity in Christ. You know, our our hymn of preparation, bringing it to a close, our hymn of preparation, just before the sermon text, Jesus, our joy of loving hearts. You know, here again, the first and last verses. They're there in your bulletin. It was a hymn written by St. Bernard of Clairvaux. They estimate it was written 1150 A.D., you know, almost 900 years ago. But these words still ring true because they're scriptural truths. Jesus, thou joy of loving hearts, thou fount of life, thou light of men, from the best bliss that earth imparts, we turn unfilled to thee again. Then the last verse, a, a prayer. O Jesus, ever with us stay. Note, note the plural pronouns. We can pray this as a church. O Jesus, ever with us stay. Make all our moments calm and bright. Chase the dark night of sin away. Shed o'er the world thy holy light. You know, let us rejoice in that gospel truth that our good and gracious God encourages us and equips us to live in humble humility. You know, by the sacrificial and steadfast love of Christ. Amen. Let's pray. Our Father and our God, we thank you that you not only call us to live in humble humility as followers of Christ and as a church, but your word equips and encourages us. Lord, We thank you for that agape love of Christ, that sacrificial love of Christ. Christ who suffered in our place there on the cross of Calvary to purchase our salvation. And Lord, may we as a church live together in gospel unity, Lord, for our good, for the glory of Christ, May that unity in Christ be a a bright light for Christ here in our community and, Lord, even around the world. 
as the gospel goes forth. We ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen.